Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast where we take a deep dive into the training and racing of South America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in Atlanta in February 2020. And in this episode, we have two people we're going to be speaking with. First is runner Stephanie Flippin, as I should say, Dr. Stephanie Flippin, who is preparing for the Indianapolis, Indianapolis, sorry, Monumental Marathon this coming week where she's hoping to get her OTQ and break 245 to qualify for the Olympic trials. And in the second part, we talked to her coach, Heather McCurdy, to gauge how she has felt about Stephanie's progress and where she thinks Stephanie will finish in this race. I love talking to Stephanie. She's such a... Uh, just such a versatile person in so many ways. And you'll hear a little bit about it in this episode. If you don't know a lot about Stephanie, if this is your first episode listening to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, I would suggest going back in time and listening to the two, uh, two or three other episodes that we've done with her to get a little context. And we're going to do a follow-up episode post-monumental to gauge how things went and to take a deeper dive into her training over the last six weeks or so since our last episode. So without further ado, here's my episode with Stephanie and Heather. Dr. Stephanie Flippin, I'm so excited. Let's do it. It's race week. Let's do this. <laughs> I know. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for you. Um, you know, this is the part of the journey that has been different than, than the other people who've been on this show. Uh, they're trying to get ready for Atlanta to be their best selves. And that's part of what their journey entails. For you, ideally, there's two parts to the journey here uh, that we're going to highlight. It's, it's preparing, it's getting the OTQ. And then going to Atlanta and seeing what you're capable of doing. So I just set the, I'm just trying to set the stage in case anyone is new to the show and they're not aware. Um, that's kind of where we are. And here we are a couple of days out from monumental Indianapolis, monumental marathon where you're going to be racing, hopefully to get that OTQ. I guess, first of all, and this is similar to what we did pre New York with the five runners who ran there. What is your current fitness level? One through five, one just being happy to be here and five being I'm ready to run the race of my life. I feel like it's a strong five for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so happy to be able to say that at this point. Um, yeah, I, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better training cycle. Really. I mean, naturally there's always going to be ebbs and flows. Um, but you know, just kind of going over everything in my training log. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the way I kind of handled all the ebbs and flows. Um, you know, and just talking with Heather, my coach, you know, everything just really came together at the right time for me. Um, which I'm just really grateful for because, you know, as, as hard as you work, um, you know, and we talked about this before, you can put in the time, the miles, the effort and, but sometimes there are factors that, you know, it, things just don't all kind of meld and come together at the right time. Um, but for me, I feel like it has, um, and I'm really excited about it. All right. So how is your injury status? Um, in, in addition to that, um, I know you've dealt with low iron uh, during this cycle. So I guess overall injury and just body health, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, another thing that I'm very thankful for, um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't had a single like niggle, any sort of soreness. Um, 
knock on wood, <laughs> we still have a couple days, but, um, you know, I just finished my last, um, you know, just short little workout, um, about an hour ago. Um, everything just, just feels really fluid. Um, I'm not having any soreness, no pain. Um, and my iron has held up, um, with, <laughs> with heavy supplementing throughout this cycle. Um, you know, I'm feeling as I'm feeling stronger than I ever have before. Um, and uh, just been able to handle the volume and actually a higher volume um, than I did um, earlier this year uh, in the spring. Um, and my body has just responded really well to it, um, to the training. Um, so I'm feeling great. Oh, that's so exciting. All right. So what are some of your race day motivations and mantras that you'll be taking with you onto the course? Sure. Um, my biggest one um, is probably believe. Um you know, believe in myself, um, and believe in my training. Um, I, I, I just, I trust in my coach and my training so much, um, that, that, you know, it's, it's just something that I can just really hang my hat on. Um, and it's, it's helped kind of, uh, keep a lot of those, um, you know, anxious and kind of those doubts, um, at bay. And, and I'm human. That's not to say that, Last week, I didn't go through some roller coaster um, of emotions and things, um, but believe um, is a big one. Um, and then another one um, is a goal, you know, I set at the beginning of the year um, is that, um, you know, I, I want to make it worth it. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's never easy for anyone, you know, regardless of, you know, your time goal, um, you know, and your, your fitness level. Um, there's always going to be a, a time where you're going to have to really dig deep. Um, but I've just been picturing that finish line, you know, over and over and over. Seeing my husband at the finish, uh, my coach, um, her and James, um, all my friends. You know, I have a lot of friends and teammates um, that are racing the half. Um, and I've just been picturing them at the finish line of the full, um, you know, and also just racing alongside my teammates, um, and all the other women out there. Um, you know, I think there's 52, um, elite women that we're, we're all lining up side by side and we're all, you know, kind of slated to go sub 245. Um, you know, I'm just so excited. Um, and I, I know it's going to be worth it. Um, so I'll definitely have that on my mind, uh, making my way through the streets of Indianapolis. So, again, just a t quick tangent, because you touched on something that I talked to Heather about extensively in her, her, basically her little mini segment will follow yours in this episode, is just the nature of this event being one similar to CIM uh, last winter, where a lot of people are going to be focusing on, that, on the OTQ goal. So how much are you going to weigh running with the group and kind of the power of the group versus running your own race and, you know, and kind of having that individualized mantra, because I can see the positive and negatives to both sides there. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, I 100%, like I, there are definitely going to be some extremely strong races out there. Um, you know, and, and many women that are 100% going to run, you know, they have a faster time in their wheelhouse than I do. Um, and that's something that Heather and I really, um, practice the past, you know, these past, you know, about a month. Um, I did line up for two half marathons. Um, one was, um, towards the middle to end of September and one, um, was just earlier this month, um, about three weeks ago. Now, um, I did not all out race those in any way. I strictly used both of those races, um, practicing marathon pacing, um, you know, and not going out too hard. 
Um, and that's something that, you know, Heather has really stressed, um, just finding the effort, um, but, you know, because how, like we touched on earlier in earlier episodes, you know, I, I train at altitude um, and the altitudes can vary. Um, I train on different terrain. Um, you know, it's, it's not flat where we live by any means. Um, so I, I've really had to have that, that effort um, in mind um, as opposed to hitting a specific pace. You know, um, it's, it's really been more about finding the right um, effort for myself so that I don't go out too hard um, or, or run something that's, you know, beyond my fitness level. Um, so that's something we really practice. That being said, too, I'm also really looking forward to working together um, with some really, really strong women out there. Um, just because I do train um, predominantly solo, um, you know, I have a couple training partners that I've ran track workouts earlier in the summer with. Um, but, you know, it's it's usually just me out there with my husband, Mitchell, um, you know, on the bike, um, you know, carrying bottles and things. Um, but I, I've really always in this training cycle been setting the paces myself. So I'm looking forward to, you know, to reining it in and running within myself and following, um, you know, the race strategy Heather has for me um, specifically, but also very excited to work together because um, it's honestly one of my favorite parts about running in the sport um, is, is turning it into that team aspect. Absolutely. And I, and I can see why, especially considering the amount of people who you'll be running with, you know, you really can probably find people running um, or at least several people running at a variety of, of paces that aren't necessarily like, okay, should I speed up a little bit or not speed up a little bit? Because those are the hard questions. We will touch more on that um, when we do our race recap, but it's not going to be like, okay, I need to run, you know, all right, I can't keep that pace. There's no way in heck. Like those are easy decisions. The harder decisions are like, do I speed up a little bit here to stay with these people or not? Right. Yeah. Those like little surges, you know, and I imagine it's, it's only going to be, a, you know, a margin of a few seconds, um, you know, but, you know, for me personally, it's like, well, you know, I need to stay within myself. Sometimes, you know, those, you know, even three to four seconds per mile early on, um, you know, can can mean a lot in terms of either being able to negative split or, you know, just have that energy um, in that last 10K to really turn it on. So. All right, and you live a very full life, as we've, as we've described in the past. You travel a lot. Your husband Mitchell is uh, an ultra runner who's done. Oh, you know, shoot, he could be a guest on on a Rambling yeah. Runner podcast because he's doing amazing things. So you're you're crewing for him. You're traveling. You're practicing doctor and surgeon. You got a lot going on. So what is your current mental and emotional well being? Um, you know, I I'll be honest. Last week I did go through a patch where I was just like oh my gosh, like, is this, you know, have I, you know, just bit off more than I can chew, you know, just in terms of keeping my stress levels, you know, within a normal range, um, you know, without kind of getting carried away with everything coming up with the race. Um, but, you know, I think, and, and we've had, like you mentioned too, we've had a, a crazy year of balancing uh, both Mitchell's racing and training um, and mine. But at the same time, you know, I think, um, you know, and with work, um, just trying to grow our business more, I think actually being busier and having all of those different facets in my life has actually helped keep me calmer almost because it gives me less time to kind of ruminate, you know, and, and fixate solely on, you know, what to pack or, you know, pacing strategy or um, just fixating on past workouts and things like that. Um, and honestly, 
I mean, Mitchell ran um, a 200, uh, he ran the Tahoe 200 mile race um, earlier in September. Um, You know, and so it was a bit of a breakup in my training. Um, You know, I I did what I could, but obviously he was my priority that week. Um, You know, and I did pace um, the the final 50 miles with him of that race. Um, Granted, it's, you know, it's at a much uh, slower, you know, and uh, less intense intensity. Um, you know, say than a hundred miler or a shorter race. Um, but it actually gave me really great perspective too, um, that, you know, not that I have this view that it's all about me. I would, you know, it's, it's never been that way, but it really did help me kind of just remove myself from that stress of, um, you know, marathon training with, you know, a big time goal. Um, and it just put things into perspective, you know, that there are hundreds and thousands of other runners out there going for, enormous goals and, you know, huge physical feats, um, you know, and we're all in it together, regardless of what race it is um, and what time you're going for. And when we talk in a week or two post-race, I can't wait to dive into that experience and how it plays <laughs> a part in the yeah. overall recipe for, for what's to come, because it's certainly just like Sarah Hall and, and on this up and on this podcast, Roberta Groner is not your traditional marathon build up, but it doesn't necessarily mean it can't be useful. Um, and you just touched on goals there, um, regarding, you know, everyone who's in the race and just a general running population. What goals do you have for this race? Um, not, not simply in terms of overall time, pacing, feelings, you know, the, the, the whole gamut of, of potential goals. Sure. Um, you know, I, like we touched on earlier, um, this is, you know, I've, I've never felt this strong before, um, both you know, in my, my physical fitness and just my mental space. Um, the, the last real big run I had, it was a 22 miler, um, with I think 14 or 15 miles, um, of marathon pace in there. Um, you know, I, you know, Heather and I were talking after, um, and yeah, I just, I'm just in such a great mental place, um, compared to just other points in my life, um, you know, and, and running a career and things like that. Um, to where I'm just, I'm really looking forward to having a great time out there, um, and just celebrating, um, you know, this year, um, this training cycle, um, and, and just having a great time, um, because I've finished so many of my runs, um, and my workouts, this training cycle, just genuinely enjoying it. Um, and, and it largely that's because I, I felt very strong, you know, you're not really going to finish a workout, um, you know, thinking, oh, that was so much fun, you know, if I, if you, you're feeling, um, you know, tanked, um, because your iron's low or something like that, or you have an injury that it's, that's lingering. Um, you know, so the two go hand in hand, but, um, I'm just looking forward to just celebrating all the time, um, and the miles and just the work that I've put in, um, this weekend. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you, Steph. I can't wait to follow along and to talk with you after the fact. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Heather McCurdy from McCurdy Trained. Thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, asking me to hop on. Absolutely. So I've actually interviewed you for my other show, the Rambling Runner podcast. Um, Actually, at the time, was the strong recommendation of a guy named James McCurdy, who turned out later to be your husband. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was part of the courtship process, Um, but he was like, you really got to interview Heather Zuba for your show. She's great. 
<laughs> well, wow. I really appreciate his recommendation. That's, that's stellar. <laughs> there you go. But uh, with that said, you are a fantastic runner. Uh, and anyone who wants to hear more about that can go back and listen to that episode. But right now, what we're going to do is focus more on your coaching duties, in particular, your work with Stephanie Flippin. So Stephanie's going to be running Monumental Marathon this coming weekend. Uh, we just had her on the show giving kind of her pre-race, how I'm feeling mentally, physically, emotionally, and her goals for the race. And I want to talk to you uh, twofold. I guess first things first, how are you feeling about Stephanie's current fitness level and the progression she's had over the past year or so? Uh, you know, I am just so pumped. I mean, I'm pumped for Indy in general because I have a bunch of athletes who are just like so fit and ready to roll. But, you know, Steph has really come a long way. Um, I've been working with her for not quite a year, but almost a year now. And, you know, it hasn't always been smooth. You know, like any one of us, there are bumps in the road and things that need to be addressed and dealt with. You know, I'm sure I know she talked before about like her situation with the low iron. And that's been basically like her biggest struggle this year is figuring out this summer, like what was going on and why she just wasn't feeling great and why she wasn't, you know, hitting certain times and expectations. And then once we got that figured out, um, she worked with the doctors at Hypo 2 and kind of got on the right supplements and you know, at that point we were like maybe 10 weeks out from Indy. So we were getting real close to like doing some really important work. And I was just keeping my fingers crossed that she would start feeling better, but she really did like right when we needed her to. And then since then, man, like she's just been knocking it out of the park. It's been incredible to watch. And this is one of those rare times. And I want to talk about this point from a couple different angles where it's not just simply, hey, can we this person get to be as fit as they can be? Or, you know, this person, you know, let's let's see if they can just basically race their current fitness level. There's this external goal, which is more than just, you know, um, you know, something that that's kind of arbitrary, right? You have the OTQ that's out there. The Olympics is every four years. This isn't the same as like trying to reach a BQ. Um, again, just because of how often this sort of thing comes up and how long people are in their prime and really focusing on running. So with all of that being said, what's it like for you in terms of getting her ready, not only to be her best self, but having this, you know, this line in the sand that you and her are constantly aware of? Yeah, you know, it is sort of similar to a BQ in that way and that you can't fall you know, subject to the pressure of a timeline, you know, we, and we see this a lot with BQ runners when like the last chance, you know, races start coming out and, you know, that deadline is ever present in everybody's mind who's trying to achieve that. And it's like, oh, I just got to get my BQ before the deadline. I got to get my BQ before the deadline. And I mean, this is really the same thing. Like I got to get my OTQ before the deadline. And what you need to make sure you're not doing is making decisions that are completely based on this like artificial line in the sand and trying to reach it by a certain time. Because at the end of the day, if you're not ready to do it, that timeline doesn't matter. You know, you're not going to do it. So, you know, that was a big thing with Steph and like the low iron situation. And I never expressed this to her at the time because I wanted to like kind of see how it played out. But I didn't want her going into Indy if she wasn't ready 
to go into indie. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in going out there and just saying, well, let's hang and bang at 617s for as long as you can and see what happens. Because the reality is if she wasn't ready to do it, that would leave her so beat up that then trying to run CIM or run Houston, then we're just chasing. We're digging her into a hole and she's way less likely to come out with the outcome we're looking for. Um, So just kind of trying to stay patient throughout that whole process and not get too emotional about it. You know, it's, I think as the coach, that's kind of your job is to try to step away and look at it from a a point of view that has a lot less emotion attached. You know, when you're the athlete, your goals are so personal to you. And of course, like they're partially emotionally driven. And so, you know, as much as I, you know, certainly care a whole heck of a lot about Steph and really want her to do this thing, you know, throughout this whole process, it's been trying to figure out where is her fitness really at? How do we get her to where she wants to be? And are we making the right decisions for her as an athlete in person? Right. And when you're trying to maximize race performance on race day, obviously it's, it's, there's a range and there can be a gray area between, okay, you just, your fitness is your fitness versus like really, you know, trying to like, you know, basically squeeze every little bit out of an athlete with, which with more of like a short term mindset. And there's a range between those two, those two things. So when you think about what you and Steph have worked on, say, you know, even more recently, the past three or four weeks heading into the taper, was there any bit of that for you being like, okay, listen, I know we might be doing something that's potentially not sustainable, but it's worth it in the short term as long as we can recover the appropriate amount post-race? Yeah. I mean, her mileage is, I mean, high is subjective, right? So first of all, she trains at altitude. So, you know, I think of like an 85 mile week at altitude being closer to like maybe 90 to 95 at sea level, um, just because of the time on the feet, she's going to run a little bit slower at 7,500 feet than she would at sea level. And so it's just a little bit longer time on her feet. Um, but for her, you know, she's not just an elite athlete. She's not just a full-time runner. I, I mean, I don't mean that like just, but, you know, she's got other things on her plate. She's a wife. She's a full-time employee. She's a doctor. You know, she's got a lot of other responsibilities and a lot of other stresses. And so, you know, I know she was really chomping at the bit to like run higher mileage, but I wanted to kind of limit where we were pushing that because if she starts getting too burnt out, you know, I don't want to put her in a position where she's feeling like, oh my gosh, I just want this race to be over with. Like, I just can't wait for recovery. Like, you know, I want her to kind of feel good and strong coming into the race. Um, And so we've really been kind of like trying to find that mileage sweet spot over the past, I would say four to six weeks, which in my opinion, I think we've done based on her feedback. I don't know. Maybe she just told you she's like dying or, you know, feeling underworked. I hope it's neither of those. I think it's the sweet spot, Um, you know, but it's been a big balance of like, how much can we push you and have you not completely break, especially given that you have all these other responsibilities that take up your time and impact your ability to recover, um, you know, the way that like an elite runner would be able to. So what kind of communication do you have with Steph uh, to ensure that you're um, either prescribing or aware of what she's doing from a recovery basis? Um, well, I mean, we primarily text and that's usually our, our 
the way we communicate with each other. Um, you know, we'll hop on the phone and check in with each other now and then, especially after like, you know, big pivot points, you know, like after, you know, kind of the summer racing wasn't going well, it was like, okay, well, let's hop on the phone and discuss kind of how you're feeling and what we think is going on there. Um, but in general, you know, I really like to make sure that we're checking in after the bigger quality sessions and just make sure that, you know, she felt appropriately a during the session and that she's not feeling too beat up afterwards and that we're making sure that she's staying on top of, you know, nutrition and sleep and all of those other things. Um, you know, she had been working with uh, a sports nutritionist for a little bit just to make sure that she was getting the right intake in. Um, you know, I think especially as busy professionals, we have a tendency to kind of undereat sometimes, even though we might feel like we're taking in a lot of food. So we wanted to make sure that she was fueling her body appropriately for this increase in mileage and just the intensity of, of some of these marathon specific workouts. Now, not too long ago, for her breaking three hours in the marathon was a huge deal and a goal that she wasn't sure that she was going to be able to accomplish. So what's it like been for you getting her, uh, and maybe this is, hasn't even been an issue, but getting her to be fully confident in her ability to go out there and race at a level, um, which would have been like completely ridiculous for her to think about even two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I honestly think she's done a really good job handling that mental stress. Um, you know, I know it hasn't been perfect for her. And I know that she sometimes has like, oh, crap, like, oh, is this really happening moments. But I think her confidence is being built by like every workout that kind of has been in the bag. Like, you know, she goes out there and yeah, she's working hard. You know, none of these workouts are easy, but they're not you know, impossible. She's not, you know, dry heaving on the side of the road after all of them. I think she's not running significantly faster now than she was before Boston. You know, it's not like her paces are suddenly like 20, 30 seconds per mile faster, but the way she's feeling and the way she's responding to the work is so much better. You know, she's feeling so much more comfortable and that is just building a lot of confidence. And I can tell that, you know, I think she was getting a little nervous last week, but then we were talking the other day and she's like, well, I think I got all the mental crazies out and now I'm just excited to race. And I was like, heck yes. <laughs> Um, she had a really great experience earlier this year in a 10K where we sent a bunch of McCurdy athletes to um, run this 10K in Birmingham, Alabama. And they went out and they kind of ran as a pack. And that's when she ran her PR of 36-32. And I think going into that, she was kind of like, well, I don't know about this. But I was like, Steph, just here's what you do. You just go with them, you know, and just let yourself accomplish this. And she did. And I think Indy's going to be set up in a very similar way where we have a bunch of McCurdy athletes, you know, all wearing the same kit, all going after the same goal, all working together. And so I think being able to race in that kind of setup, that kind of scenario is really empowering and kind of takes away some of those maybe last remaining mental doubts. So that's my hope for race day. Yeah, and you took the words right out of my mouth because I was definitely going to touch on Indy in that sense. And, <laughs> and I can certainly appreciate you talking about the athletes that you're working with as a, as a unit. But even beyond that, I mean, this is going to be kind of like a, not as extravagant, but it feels like it will be a similar version of what happened at CIM last year where you have a lot of people coming from all over who've identified this race as you know, a really good chance for them to OTQ. Um, not only is it is the course something that's going to work for them, but you have 
probably and hopefully the kind of weather that will be beneficial. And you also have a time gap between now and Houston, where if someone wants to, you know, replay it again and really give it another shot, they do have an appropriate amount of time to kind of reboot the system. So do you foresee a situation not just for Stephanie, but for a lot of the other women who she could be running with, um, who can kind of view this as a group effort in a way, not too dissimilar what we saw with the men at Chicago. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I hope so. Because, you know, like you said, all of those reasons and Indy, you know, it's incredible. It isn't really that publicized, but they offer a $1,000 time bonus to anyone who reaches their OTQ there and either the half or the full, I'm pretty sure. Like, and that's, I mean, maybe for an elite, not great. But I mean, for like a sub elite runner, that's a pretty decent payday. So it's kind of a nice cherry on top. But yeah, I mean, I think especially with the timing between now and the trials, we're going to see more people here than we're going to see in CIM. And I just think there's really like power in the path, you know, when everybody's working together towards the same goal, you know, it's a, it's kind of different than a typical race mentality where you're trying to beat your competitors. It's more of a camaraderie out there. Like let's all go achieve this amazing accomplishment together and let's help each other for as long as it's reasonably possible to do so. And I'm like already getting emotional about it. Like I just can't wait to be there and like see these women. And I mean, men too, on the men's side, like cross the finish line, there's nothing like watching people, OTQ or BQ or like reach these goals. So I think it's going to be pretty special. I mean, you've lived it because last year at CIM, and I'm never going to forget this because I had Crystal on the ep- on the podcast about a week later, but Crystal Harris OTQs um, about by, by what, two seconds? I mean, she crossed the line. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was 244.58 and she was the second to last woman to cross the line that day. Um, just under the cutoff um and you know and she she literally falls into your arms and it was a very emotional video a lot of people saw it and when you hearken back to that time and just the 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 emotions not just from you but from uh, you know crystal and the other women who were really close to that 245 marker um what what do you think now in terms of what people can expect or what you're expecting at the finish line at, at Monumental and getting ready for you know potentially similar type feel? <laughs> well, anyone who saw that video and had the pleasure of having the audio on got to hear me like scream crying. Um, so expect more of that. <laughs> um, it is incredible. I mean, it's even more emotional when you know and are friends with you know, a runner that you're watching finish and, and actually like achieve and accomplish this. But I mean, even just, you know, even if you don't know who these people are, it's just, it's so incredible and so inspiring to watch. Um, I'm running the half, which is great because I can finish and hopefully take a hot shower and then get my butt back to the finish line and be able to be there to watch people come in. Um, I just cannot wait to personally hug every single person that I know. Um, so get ready for that if you see me there. Um, but I think just in general, like, you know, I don't know, a marathon finish line is just a really special place to be. And if you are ever like kind of in a rut with your own running or your own training, like get yourself to a marathon, whether it's a big event like this, where you're watching people OTQ or not, and like, just watch people finish because you cannot be not moved by that. All right. I, I, now I have to, now I have to know, do you think you will be running faster in the half marathon or to or from the shower to get back to the finish line? <laughs> um, probably, sadly, to and from the shower. <laughs> 
it's going to be a cold morning. So I'm going to probably cross that finish line and be like, all right, I just found my next gear. Like, let me drop some 515s to get back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be like a classic, like Matt Fitzgerald, how bad do you want it? Like epilogue <laughs> chapter. I'm like, see how you're, you can run faster than you think. Look at Heather McCurdy. She finished a half marathon, set a PR, and then set a 5K PR on the way to the hotel directly <laughs> afterwards. Basically, yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be a great lesson in how not to not leave it all out there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's. I know that the the relationship between a coach and an athlete is a sacred thing, and I would never want you to say something on this podcast pre race that you wouldn't be and wouldn't and Steph wouldn't be completely comfortable with sharing, obviously because she might hear it again before the before the race. But what are some of your expectations and hopes for her? Um, you know, for uh, for race day. Oh, no, you know, I 100% believe she's ready to do this. You know, there's no guarantees. Anything can happen. We all know this. Um, you know, look at Sarah Hall, you know, dropping out of New York unexpectedly. Like that woman trains like a beast and basically runs a marathon in training almost every single weekend as a workout. Like, you know, and, and on the day when it was time to run, she had a bad day and had some stomach issues. Um, so anything can happen to any of us, but she's 100% ready to do this. And my hope for her is that she just you know, is, is calm in her approach about this, um, you know, takes responsibility for her own race, but hopefully finds a really great group of women to run with and they're able to work together and they're able to just kind of keep each other company and keep each other, you know, calm in the beginning and ready to dig deep when it's time to dig deep. You know, she's got so much grit and so much tenacity that I don't worry at all about her being ready to hurt a little when it's time to hurt a little. So, you know, I think she's got everything she needs to to go out there and make this happen. So I'm super, super pumped. Now, again, under the guise of anything can happen, and there's only so much you can predict in this sort of thing, but what do you think is her current fitness range uh, in regards to like her overall marathon finishing time? So I would say she'd be anywhere between maybe 240, 245 on like – the best day to maybe 244.30 on a not so great day. Um, the one thing with Steph is because again, she does train at altitude and she also will move around occasionally. So sometimes she's doing workouts down in Denver. Uh, and then sometimes she's doing workouts up in evergreen and there's about 2000 feet of elevation difference between those two places. Um, so there's, there's sometimes, you know, some math that we need to do and kind of just trying to figure out what certain workouts mean. Um, you know, so the, the altitude to sea level conversion is a science, but there's also some individuality to that as well. Like some people respond really well when they get down to sea level, other people need a few days, that sort of thing. Um, so I think there definitely is a range there, but I really think that even on a not so great day, I think she can still um, come in just under that 245 mark. This is so exciting. Heather, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts about Stephanie's training in the, in the, in the marathon in general. I really appreciate it. And we'll catch up again before Atlanta. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me.
Stephanie, Heather, thank you so much. I cannot wait to see how this weekend goes. What a lineup of marathons, Chicago, New York, and now Monumental. It really is such a great time of year to be a running fan. It really is just so exciting, uh, all the races that are happening, and it just really sets the stage for the winter training season as we get into Atlanta as well. It's just, uh, man, it's so easy to love this sport, I guess, is the, the moral of that monologue. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show, all of it is so greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.